What is happening, Draft Crafters? We've got a little bit of white stuff on the ground over where I'm at. JP, Dan, and we are in the midst of that time of year where, you know, snow flies because everybody's getting ready for the end of the NFL season. We've already wrapped up the college season, which puts you and me smack dab in the middle of talking about prospect season. What's on your mind, JP? Who are we talking about today? Uh, we are going to be talking about the Mountain West and the Sun Belt, man for college and then obviously we'll recap a little bit of the playoff games for the right. pros but hey there was a point in time where we were thinking we're going to do a conference a show going through the the smaller conferences and the big conferences mm-hmm. but then we started looking at players and don't get me wrong there's great football that gets played in some of these smaller conferences but when you look at the reality of it we're not going to see 80 guys drafted out of the mountain west no definitely not but we are going to see some drafted out of the mountain west and I'm going to start things off with a guy who probably won't get drafted, actually, uh, but might see some kind of you know, fringe attention, depending on how things break down. Uh, and that is a man from the Air Force Falcons. And it is a tight end who, because he plays for Air Force, hasn't really had a whole lot of counting stats over the, the entirety of the time he's played there. He's had great numbers. From the standpoint of you know, pro football focus, he's been in the, the upper 70s and 80s the last three seasons. A lot of that's because of his run blocking and pass blocking because they mostly just run the ball there. On occasion, we'll throw it. Now, he only played about half the season, but Kyle Patterson is six, six. A very rare occasion, sorry. <laughs> right. Well, again, they do mostly that triple option kind of vibe out there. So six six two fifty though. Shown that he can block, he he clearly does not have a ton of uh, of catches over the course even of his career, not just last season. But when you look at 6'6 and 250, you look at a body that can be at least put out there, not just to block, but also to, I mean, and again, you saw that with the Lions this year when they decided to go away from Hawkinson. They sort of just said tight end by committee and throw the ball up in the end zone and see what happens kind of a thing. Uh, and he had three catches for 32 yards. So again, nothing spectacular, but... You know, you have to remember for for uh, Air Force, their leading receiver had 15 catches on the season. They they threw a total of 87 passes over the course of 12 games, 13 games. So, yeah, it kind of gives you some perspective there. But so Patterson, definitely a guy you could see getting picked up by somebody somewhere because the dude's big. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those guys, but we'll, we'll see. I'm going to take it into it. It's crazy. You're going to go from that. And I'm going to go right into the guy who's going to be drafted before anybody else we're going to talk about today. Yeah, kind of. Talk about J.L. Skinner here from Boise State. My boy. So this is a safety, and he's not too far off from the size of the guy you're talking about, at least height-wise. But a 6'4", 218-pound safety. I'm assuming anybody who's listening to this show is well aware of who J.L. Skinner is. (laughs) But long story short, safety with incredible mismatch size. Very solid career there at Boise State. I mean, he had a, a bit of dip in numbers in 2022, but 2021, 92 tackles. He had seven tackles for a loss, a couple picks. Then this past year, he increased his picks to four picks, um, but he only had 65 tackles. So a bit of a dip there, a little bit of a concern. But nonetheless, this is a great player with a great, great mismatch size, especially when you're talking about, you know, these tight ends who just, you know, seem to stay – Enormous at 6'5", 6'6", 250 pounds, but seem to become more and more athletic every year. You kind of need one of these big guys to help cover them, if you will. And, and J.L. Skinner will be a great guy for that. Yeah, and he's a guy that we talked about coming into the season. I was high on him because he kind of felt like that sort of 
um, Kyle Hamilton mismatch sort of player that was just somebody mm-hmm. that was going to be able to float all over the back half of your defense. And again, he may not be quite that level of talent, but he is good enough and he's versatile enough. Someone is going to give him a shot. Yeah, and I think I forgot to say, I think that he's a day two pick all day. Sure. Looking at the day three picks, I think pretty much the rest of this conference and potentially the most of the Sun Belt, most of the rest of the guys we're going to be talking about today are day three picks or undrafted free agents. And again, a day three I pick. I think you're right that all of those are. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's no shame. Let's first off point out, there's no shame in being a day three pick. No. I mean, these are these are players who we believe are are going to be at least getting drafted that are talented players that have uh, potential to to contribute. And that's the thing It's like you can contribute all over the place. Right. Uh, When you're talking about the NFL. And so I got a few players from Fresno State from the Valley. And uh, we're going to start things off with a wide receiver, Jalen Moreno Cropper. 84 catches, 1,000 yards, only five touchdowns. But, hey, you know, I mean, that's one of those things. Touchdowns are hard to replicate year to year because last year he had 11 touchdowns, 85 catches. What I can tell you is the last two years he's had 169 catches. That's a pretty good sign. And so he upped his average again this year to up to about uh, 13 from from 10 the year before. But what that shows me at six foot 180 is he's a solid player. He's not huge as a wide receiver. He's, he's probably a little trim. Not the tallest guy, but he finds ways to get open, finds ways to get to the ball. And when you're looking for today's NFL, you can never have too many wide receivers. He's had himself some solid seasons um, and really has been good his entire time. It's not like he's one of those guys who has slowly gotten better, uh, according to like pro football focus, stuff like that. He's just been really solid the entire time, and you can't complain about continued production. No, I mean, production is key, man. That's, that's the number one thing I look for here. Um, I'm going to skip over to Colorado State here. I'm going to talk about Daquan Jackson. He's going to be an undrafted guy. Won't spend a ton of time on him, but he's a linebacker. He's a fifth-year player there. Mm-hmm. Solid NFL size, 6'2", 230. Uh, but he's, he's like I said, five-year player. But within the five-year window, he's got very solid production. That first year there, pretty much nothing as a freshman. Sophomore year, came in as a linebacker. Basically, you know, a freshman because he didn't hardly play mm-hmm. in that freshman year, but 87 tackles, six and a half for a loss and one and a half sacks. Not too bad for a sophomore player who's borderline <laughs> freshman. Then he had the pure COVID year and only four games. He had 10 tackles, five and a half loss for five and a half tackles for a loss and two sacks. So if you, you know, mathematically <laughs> spread that over the course of the season with those averages, that That's was insane. an outstanding year. 2021 came in with 84 tackles, eight and a half for a loss and a sack. And then this most recent year hit that century mark and got a hundred tackles for six for a loss. So yeah, solid production there for mm-hmm. sure. So um, and the one break, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe snuck into the seventh round, but I think he's undrafted. Well, and again, he did not have a whole lot of help out there in that Colorado state uh, team no. in general. So good to see him stepping up. Next one for Fresno State, running back Jordan Mims. He's a six foot, two hundred and five pound boy who has again not had as much wear and tear as a lot of other players. When you look at uh, his carries, he's had uh, you know in the the hundreds ish for the for three of the past four seasons. But then this past year was the feature back for the first time and delivered with thirteen hundred yards and eighteen touchdowns. Also caught twenty one passes. He got twenty five year before. So this is a guy who has shown solid production again for a couple of years in a row. 
he's a running back. So there's, you know, 7,000 of them trying to get drafted this year, but uh, he was 17th in the country in yards. And again, this is someone who's produced for a couple seasons in a row now, uh, maybe could work on his blocking. Certainly at his size uh, is still pretty decent for a running back at, uh, at six foot and 200. So he's, he's a solid boy and can be someone again, that you're not necessarily going to see him get drafted high. He might not get drafted at all, but will be making somebody's training camp as a another body in there who may not stand out from you physically, uh, but could easily translate that from you know, the measurables being normal, if you will, but the production's pretty solid. Can't argue with any of that, Dan. I'm going to slide over. I'm going to do a quick take here on Hugh Nelson, the second. Okay. Hugh Nelson, um, drawing a, a bit of a blank. Sounds like a coach. Yes. That sounds like a coach name. Drawing a bit of a blank, but if I remember correctly, he was at, well, the odds are he probably was a decent recruit for Georgia because he started at Georgia. <laughs> Didn't, he, he wasn't able to crack the field there his freshman yeah. year. Was, as, heck, most don't. Right. But then 2020, you know, the COVID year, he sat out and opposed to coming in in a third year, which could be counted as I don't even know what year because <laughs> all these weird eligibility. Instead of coming into Georgia in his technically third year of college, uh, he elected to hit the transfer portal. He mm-hmm. went to Hawaii. It's not a bad transfer. Um, obviously, pretty much anybody who you know goes to Georgia can transfer to Hawaii and probably hit the starting lineup right away. Um, but he, he had a couple picks, not n- nothing too major there at first year yeah. at Hawaii. He only had like twenty tackles, but after that, you know, this past year, he had around fifty tackles. The picks dropped off. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is a guy – he's going to definitely be an undrafted guy at best, but he, nonetheless, he's a guy I still see his name out there. You mm-hmm. know, And I don't feel confident he'll get drafted or even be really picked up as an undrafted free agent, but he's got a solid size, 62, 205. And right. I don't know, maybe people are going off on the, of what he could have been and never actually developed into, and maybe that's sure. why he still see his name out there. I don't feel good about it. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. It's like you're burying the lead here. He's 62, 205. That's a cornerback size that everyone falls in love with these days. And so I can see someone throwing something his way just purely based off of the fact that he's a bigger corner that got recruited to Georgia. So he must have been good somehow. And we can unlock him. That's kind of how it works for teams. For Fresno State, as I continue through the Bulldogs list, this is one of the more intriguing names that we're going to come across because of the the quarterback world and where people are at with things. But Jake Hayner. Hayner is a guy who has had some interesting production over the years because last year he threw for 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns this year he threw for 2,800 yards and 20 touchdowns but the interceptions went from nine to three and his 6'1 200 pound guy and so again we talk about sizes for different positions obviously that's a decent running back size it's kind of a small quarterback size and so he's a guy who has been oddly good but yet at the same time not quite and so he's very much in that weird, nebulous top 10 quarterback, but is he sort of range? And so there's a lot of guys who are going to be um, talking about him as a potential mid-round draft pick. Again, with teams and quarterbacks, one team falls in love with a guy, who knows? But he strikes me as a day three pick, but as a day three pick that's somehow going to end up in a developmental situation. If he's with the right team, He's going to be in good shape because, again, he's put up good numbers. He's put up good pro football focus numbers. He's been an intriguing play, but he's also 6'1", 200 pounds. So Jake Hayner, a name to watch, a name to keep note of, but a name that I don't know where he's going to go between fourth and seventh round probably. Yeah, he could really be anywhere in that range. I mean, you never know. 
there, there's no telling with him, especially with quarterbacks. I mean, sometimes it, guys with the underwhelming size and dip in production just go undrafted, but then oftentimes we see quarterbacks get overdrafted. So who the heck knows? Well, for example, we talked uh, about Sam Howell that we were going to take, like, you know, in the first you know, oh, yeah. rounds last year. All of a sudden, he's a fifth rounder that might be starting for Washington next year. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe I had him as QB1 last year. You I didn't like that, any man. of the quarterbacks. That's no, well, I loved him compared to who else was in that draft. No, it's the uh, Blaine. But I'm not high over on, again. Yeah, I'm not, I was not high on Howell, just comparing him to who was in that draft. Right. Uh, all right. I'm going to take it over to Nevada here and talk about Bentley Sanders. Okay. okay. Bentley Sanders. If I told you a, a DB cornerback, 82 tackles and five picks, you're intrigued, right? Yes. Now, here's the drawback on Mr. Bentley Sanders. There's two oh. big negatives. A, he's in his sixth year already. Okay. He spent a full four years at South Florida before transferring to Nevada. Prior to this season, very minimal production. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a couple of seasons where he averaged maybe 30 tackles and had a pick in each one. That's about it. But the second major drawback here is he's only 5'9", 175. Cool. We're going to have a handful of the the shorter corners uh, that we'll be guys yeah. that we'll be talking about that <laughs> again. Good question. How things are going to pan out yeah. for him? But if size is going to go, but you can play, you can play. Yeah, he's going to go undrafted. But I do feel like that sixth year, there eighty-two tackles and five picks. Yeah, that's going to get him a look, but it's definitely going to be an undrafted look. And that's the crazy thing too, because again, with COVID years, with NIL deals now, I mean, we just saw something fall apart for the the kid who was trying to go to Florida that was going to have supposedly a four year, thirteen million dollar deal. Now, again, that's probably an outlier, obviously. But even then, if you talk about these young guys in their eighteen to twenty one, twenty two year old, you know, years that are getting NFL minimum salaries to play in college, some of those guys are going to take that deal because the level of competition is different, especially if you're talking about you know, some of the smaller schools. So it's going to be interesting to see how many players come out like Matt Stafford, who were not even quite, what, 21? He's, he's barely 21 when he got drafted uh, versus guys now are going to be 24, 25 sometimes. It's going to be very interesting for us trying to parse through talent and evaluate and all that kind of fun stuff. So another name to continue that role if from Fresno State. Last Bulldog I've got is on the defensive side of the ball, and that's David Perales. And Perales is a guy that I was really looking forward to seeing in his bowl game, and he just didn't do much. And that's, you know, hey, that happens. Maybe they ran away from him. Maybe they just didn't want to, to give him too much time. Maybe they double teamed him. Point is, dude is 6'3", 255, so he's a defensive end. He doesn't maybe have the height that some teams want, but 6'3", 255 is a solid boy who can move a pile around, and he showed that over the course of his time at Fresno in the last three seasons Four and a half sacks, seven sacks. This year, 11 and a half sacks. So he basically combined the last two seasons into this one and has shown that he can get after the passer. He also has two forced fumbles and an interception in there as well. And five pass defense, which means they they started fla- flashing him out to cover tight ends and, and running backs and stuff like that too. So this is a relatively versatile player who, again, he's not necessarily going to be you know, top of your draft boards. I do think he's going to be you know a day three kind of guy but has serious potential with the production to be able to make things interesting. And someone's going to take a chance on him purely because they see the production and say, all right, we can, we can flash this guy around and have some fun with him. And this is clearly your second favorite guy that's get, that we're going to talk about today, right? I mean, at least from this conference. I haven't fully thought about all the Sunbelt boys, but yeah, he's right. Oh, up okay. There. Okay. I figured he was, I could tell he was one of your guys. All right. I'm going to, I got another 
another wolf pack yeah. from Nevada here to talk about. Uh, another fifth-year guy. This time it's going to be along the defensive line, Dom Peterson. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Dom Peterson, from a production standpoint, I like this guy a lot. So I, I'm still quite torn. I, I'm thinking about just live right now changing my projection, at least from okay. undrafted to a day three pick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you why, and then I'll tell you why I had him as undrafted. He's a, he's a five-year guy, so keep in mind this is a five-year window. We're starting with his <laughs> freshman year. Here are his tackles for loss, then sacks. I'm just going to go straight down. Ten and a half, three. Fifteen, nine. Seven, four and a half. That was COVID year, so half mm-hmm. as many games. Nine, five and a half, 13, and six. So you're talking about even with a half, so mm. four and a half years because COVID only six games. He's got 54 and a half tackles for a loss with 28 sacks as a D lineman. There you go, then. That's pretty impressive, right? But he's only six foot 285. It's not super small. Sure. But more of a slicer. That's a lot of production, though. Right. I, I like him. And I was kind of waiting to talk about him because I think he's definitely one of the guys that I would take a shot on on day seven. But how do you feel about it? It only being six foot 285, allegedly. Again, all these heights and weights or the combine hasn't happened so we really don't know well remember you and i look at these at these players and these teams and we think that pretty much anything after you know fourth round is more or less you're you're just throwing darts at the board to an extent i mean i'm not going to be you know too crazy with it but still it's like so yeah i think when you get towards that point of your uh your draft evaluation process if you feel good enough about a guy to say this dude has a shot at making our team then then you you take him and again, maybe you take him in the seventh round because that way you just don't have to fight anybody from a, uh, a free agent standpoint with him. So, again, small, sure. But are you expecting to be a cornerstone to your line or a rotational piece? He can definitely be a rotation. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. So we move over to San Diego State. And uh, there's, a, there's a guy that I was looking at, and I'm trying to do some research on it because we've heard the last name Tavai before, being Lions fans. But Jonah Tavai... Not related to Jelani as far as I can figure out, even though he's got the J name. Maybe he is, and they just didn't talk about it, but I wasn't able to find that anywhere else. What I was able to find, though, is his brother, Justice, is transferring from Hawaii to San Diego State. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if he did uh, a whole lot this year for his team, but uh, the one that I'm going to talk about here, Jonah. Jonah had himself a pretty decent season, all things considered, as a defensive lineman. And again, this is... A uh, six foot, 290 pound guy. So, again, very similar in size to the last guy you're talking about. Last two seasons, eight and a half sacks and 10 and a half sacks. And to come from, even if you're a defensive end at that size, six foot, 290, you're probably a, a D tackle. To have to be a penetrating D tackle is something teams are looking for. So, again, he's not going to be a first rounder. He's not going to be a, a first half of the draft kind of a guy, but he is a player who put up a 92 on pro football focus this year and has shown that he can get after the passer. And as we saw the Detroit Lions this year, and I, mind you, was on the outside, but Justin Houston has figured out you can have a role in the NFL if you can get to the passer. And so Jonathan Vi will be a late-round draft pick, but I do think he gets a crack with somebody uh, who wants to see a, an interior guy get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. He's he's one of my guys that I, I was definitely had my eye on from these two conferences as well. Um, Jarek Reed. What about I'm going to talk about Mr. Mr. Reed. He's the only New Mexico Lobo <laughs> that I have to talk about. I do mm-hmm. think he's going to go undrafted 
Um, there's, I feel like we got a little bit of theme of players being slightly undersized, at least for <laughs> the standard of what teams are looking for in today's NFL. Sure. But this is a guy who played safety slash cornerback. So, but he's 5'10, 190. Okay. Not awful, but still not large. He's, he's undersized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I will say this he's had seven interceptions in his four year career, mm-hmm. which is solid. Granted, four of those seven came in a shortened season in 2020. <laughs> Man, a lot of players had a really good shortened COVID well, year. Hey. Like, if that were. Put, you know, if you prorate everything. those stats over the course of the whole season, that's right. pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, if you got you put everything into a four or six game season, you don't have to probably you know measure yourself out right. over the course of the year. But he, here's the reason why I bring his name up. Now mm-hmm. I say again, he probably undrafted here, but in the past two seasons, eighty-eight tackles and ninety-four tackles. Yeah, that's solid. So coming from a DB, I mean, this is a guy who can get in there and make some tackles, and he's not afraid of contact. That'll get you a look. Right. Also makes me slightly concerned about the rest of their defense if your corner's getting that many tackles. Yes. <laughs> well, like I said, he's the only New Mexico Lobo that I'm talking about. Sure. Here, so. Yeah, New Mexico did not have a, a great year. They haven't had a great year for uh, for a minute now. But uh, we're going to go over to San Diego – or sorry, from San Diego State to San Jose State, the, the Trojans, another Trojan, the lesser-known Trojans in California, I suppose – Probably a good way of putting it. And they got a couple of players that are intriguing. Again, don't even know. I think these guys are all day three picks. They could easily be the undrafted free agents. They're in the back end of day three. Cade Hall is one of those, though. And the defensive end had uh, defensive lineman, depending on how you you view him. He's one of those sort of tweeners at 6'3", 270. He's probably on the edge. But at the same time, they got him listed as a defensive lineman. Uh, but over the last three seasons, 10 sacks, 4 sacks, 7.5 sacks. So what that shows me, even at an interception this year. So what that shows me is, again, another guy who doesn't have a ton of tackles, but not always the case with uh, guys on the outside of the line, but uh, has put up pretty good pro football focus numbers in the last few seasons as well and finds a way to get after the passer. So, again, not somebody who's going to create a ton of buzz, which is fun because, you know, he's got production that's similar to some other guys out there. But as a uh, 6'3", 270 D lineman, the end whatever again another intriguing rotational piece that you see someone taking a flyer on in one of those later rounds because he's shown a couple different years of production in succession here now yeah I, kate hall man you throw another 15 maybe 20 hopefully pounds on him at that size and if you can play in the interior d-line he's intriguing mm-hmm. so i'm with you there i'm gonna take it over to actually i'm gonna say this sad times man i do not think anybody for my wyoming cowboys Ah, is worth even mentioning, man. You don't have any man crush on a linebacker this year? Usually I do. I might have to go back and make sure I'm not crazy, but I've got nope. nothing from Wyoming Cowboys. <laughs> so I'm going to slide over to the Mountaineers, a little App State. All right. I'm going to talk about Nick Hampton, linebacker. Was, yeah, that was, that was it. That's all I got left for the Dude. Mount West for my team. Unless you want to wrap up your teams, I'm out yeah. of players. Well, you, you just hold your horses right there, sir. All right, three more guys hot. to talk you about. Go ahead and finish the Mountain West. Then you, you settle rip. back and let me let me cut through these boys. I got one well, more from the guy. The guy that you're getting ready to talk about, though, I'm not going to say his name or anything. I'm just going to say, I he's either my second or third favorite player that is being mentioned at period today, but Are definitely you... from the Mountain West. But even including the Sun Belt, Are I you like not him. saying his name because you can't say his name. That and I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> Viliami Fajoko is, is another guy from uh, San Jose State, another D 
defensive lineman, and he's more of a traditional defensive end, 6'4", 263. So he's got the measurables teams you're talking about when it comes size-wise, what you like to see out there. But six sacks, seven sacks, nine sacks each of the last three years. Had three forced fumbles last year, two forced fumbles this year. And so, again, showing production. But the big thing, too, and I know you're not a huge fan of pro football focus, but the last three seasons, 87, 78, and a 90, almost a 91 this year. So, again, this is a guy – who has good size, good production, and unlike Cade Hall, definitely will get his name called at some point uh, in that run. The other guy from San Diego or San Jose State, rather, that I want to talk about is a cornerback, and uh, it's Nehemiah Shelton. And Shelton is another guy that, again, we're, we're bouncing around as far as who I think is going to be drafted where. Shelton's a guy that could certainly be uh, a late round pick purely because he's 6'2", 185, and teams are going to see that and say, okay, we can put 20 pounds on him and we can have him play all over the back end of the defense. Had two interceptions each of the last two years, nine pass defense, eight pass defense. So again, not spectacular stats necessarily. Didn't have uh, an amazing pro football focus, but he's 6'2", and a six foot two inch corner is, is more the norm now, but it means that teams are going to be intrigued with that kind of a size. UNLV has one player worth talking about in my estimation. And again, I think that uh, it's another team that things haven't gone all that well for them over the last few years. And so you're only going to have one or two guys to talk about as we go through some of these teams again in the Sun Belt as well. It'll probably be the case. But for the Rebels, it's a linebacker, Austin Ajake. Again, might be butchering these names. That's part of the fun of us going through all of these teams. But this dude, JP, You'll appreciate this as a linebacker. 124 tackles this year. I thought he had more than that. I thought I had him pegged on my notes here at 132. But, yeah, it's just the one-year production. Want to keep giving him more, huh? I saw 132 tackles with 11 for a loss and four sacks. All right. Two well, picks. That's what I got down for him. And, again, what uh, what ESPN had on there was uh, was 124 tackles. But he has three sacks to add to it and, a couple, of, like you said, a couple of interceptions. Ah. And I so, see the difference. You pull your you pull your stats from ESPN, and I pull mine from Sports Reference. Ah, well, there you go. And so that's part of the fun. Like when we talk about trying to come up with some of these numbers, uh, it's we're on the we're in the ballpark. But again, it's uh, it can definitely be a little bit of a difference here and there. And I'm sure he'd uh, prefer your stats, so we'll go with yours. Sure. With this, but but again, 78 uh, this year on Pro Football Focus. So again, a solid contributor. And at six two two twenty is. That kind of off-ball linebacker size, the teams don't mind seeing. So, definitely a question mark whether or not he'll end up in in the draft or on the back end of a, a undrafted free agency deal. But uh, Austin and Jackie named to keep in mind, and also a name to probably say better than I just did. And then one player from Utah State from the Aggies, and that is a safety. That's another one of those question marks of where he's going to end up. But Hunter Reynolds is a name that that name should sound very familiar to us. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's your guy. No, no, I feel like you got to though. Oh, well, he just he spent his first three years at Michigan. Mm-hmm. He was a transfer portal guy. He was a Wolverine, baby. That's why he's one of the guys that I like. He, right. he didn't get he didn't barely do anything for the Wolverine. So it's good to see him get some field time with the Aggies. So you take it from there. Well, yeah, and again, we've seen that happen for a couple of guys. And once we get to the uh, Pac twelve, we'll talk about Zach Charbonnet, a guy who did a little bit here and there with Michigan that then, you know, blew up, you know, on the other side of the country. But yeah. Uh, so Hunter Reynolds is a guy who's had again solid numbers from a pro football focus standpoint. Six foot two hundred, so about safety size. You know, maybe a little bit trim. You wouldn't mind seeing him get a little bit thicker over the course of the last of the next couple of years. But again, very limited playing time in Michigan. Solid, consistent playing time with Utah State, 
And this year was 93 tackles, three picks, had uh, seven pass defense. So, again, a guy who knows how to get around. And the fact that he was recruited to Michigan, even though he didn't get playing time there, just like we talked about with your guy from uh, Georgia to Hawaii, that will make people kind of turn their head to the side and say, oh, okay, we could we could do something with this. All right, now you can talk about your Sun Belt. Go ahead. Well, real quick, I just want to do a little recap. So if I looked at the little notes we jotted down just from the Mountain West, there's one, two, three, four, five, six players that I liked a lot with four of them a little more than the last two. So that's not mm-hmm. too bad. Yeah. Saying there's six guys. It looks like on your, your notes, you got four people that you liked a lot. Yeah. So respectable. More than I would have guessed. Well, and again, say that. I'm talking about guys we like a lot. You know, a handful of these guys aren't even going to get drafted, and we'll just kind of shrug our shoulders about that. And that's how it is. I mean, like, especially when you get to the back half of draft evaluation, it's who do you like better? Okay, pick him. Now, I'm not saying it's not that flippant. Yeah. Still, at the same time, it's it can be very, very subjective when you start getting into later rounds. Nah, I'm with you. But all right, let me get into Nick Hampton. I was I was ready to talk about him because when we're talking about players from the Sun Belt, I don't think I have as many that I like as many as I like from the, the the Mountain West. But hey, this is one of my guys. So Nick Hampton, App State, five year guy. Mm-hmm. But man, in the five the past couple of years, I mean, you can even say even his sophomore year, his freshman year doesn't even really count. He didn't he didn't play much, but. <laughs> As a whole, he's got 40 tackles for a loss, 26 and a half sacks. And this is from a linebacker position, 6'3", 225. And that is very, very respectable production right there. But, man, you look at 2021, he flashed because he had a little bit of a shortened season this past year. But in 2021, when he played a full season, 14 games, he had 17 and a half tackles for a loss with 11 sacks. Okay. So – I'm in on that. He can get it done. <laughs> yep. And he's got six forced fumbles over the course of this time, too. So Nice. Yeah. I, I, I like it. The only concern that I have is, obviously, he's playing a little bit more of the edge rushing linebacker role, but um, he's a little undersized to be the edge rusher type style sure. in the NFL, and that's obviously what he played in college. But if he did have to slide inside, we don't have a whole lot to look at as far as just – instincts and tackling ability because he only had 175 tackles in five years right and that's so always not a lot story. to go off in there <laughs> so there, there's a lot of risk there i'm not sure what the fit will be but sure. there's something to work with well and again that's why we're talking about these guys where we're talking about them positionally and uh, within the draft as well and so i'm going to start rolling through my sunbelt boys and it, i start with a guy who again has one of those i guess you can say more intriguing potential upside type you know, angles of things. And that's Lance Boykin. He's a six foot three inch, 200 pound corner, pretty similar to what we've been yeah. talking about with size that teams like to see. And he had his best year this year. And that was uh, after transferring from old dominion two years ago. So definitely a guy who's kind of still trying to find his way 55 tackles. So not tremendous production, a couple interceptions, seven passes defense. So again, a guy who, if he does get drafted, will be in the back end of things, and he might end up as a day three pick, but 6'3", 200. It's, it's almost like all you have to say right now is a, a guy has good size at corner and team's going to give him a shot. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what happens. Flash a little bit, have good size. They'll give you a look in the undrafted or super late round range. And that's what um, we're doing. I got we're trying enough. to get to people, give you guys an idea out there of who you should be look, listening for. So you can sound smart when you're talking to all your buddies. I got one more Mountaineer to talk about here. Get it? Cameron Peoples, running back, 
All right. Mm-hmm. So it's five year guy again. That's going to be a common theme when we talk about these late year or these late round picks. I mean, these guys stick around longer trying to make a name for themselves, especially mm-hmm. with the COVID stuff. But uh, running back, okay. I- I'm kind of happy he did not have hardly any production in the first <laughs> two years out of those first five because mm-hmm. I don't like to see running backs get a ton of wear and tear on them. Right. So right. he did have 455 attempts throughout nice. his career there, but. So a good sample size to look at, but if you look at the past three years, he's averaging, say, I don't know, 140 uh, carries per year. Mm-hmm. But, dude, if you take into his entire career there, he's averaging 6.2 yards a carry with 33 touchdowns. Okay, I can see. And he did rush yeah. for, he did rush for uh, 2,830 yards. So mm-hmm. that is impressive. He didn't get involved in, in the receiving game a whole lot. As many, you know, I guess – you do a little more in today's college football, right. but a lot of running backs don't today's college game still. But mm-hmm. 6.2 yards a carry with 33 touchdowns, and it makes sense because this guy's 6'2", 220. Big boy. Yeah, so he's he's worth giving a, a look to as a late-round running back. Or how many late-round or undrafted running backs come out of, <laughs> out of absolutely nowhere? Right. You know what I mean? James Robinson-type mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Like, just – well, and again, yeah. at, at that size, the team's going to give him a shot just so they can say, go hit people and, and get us three yards, you know, when we need to in those moments. So, yeah. yeah. Another another big body on the other side of the ball, Gerard Clark with Coastal Carolina. He's, his number is 15, which always cracks me up when big dudes have small numbers. 6'4", 340. This is a large gentleman. So he's definitely a that is a nose tackle, sir. It's very much a nose tackle. Still had three and a half sacks, though. And again, he had 40 tackles over the course of the season, which for a nose tackle is a pretty solid number, all things considered. And he only played 525 snaps, which solid number of, of snaps, but also shows that he's a nose tackle. So he's probably coming off of the field on third down in some situations, stuff like that. But for that, you cannot coach a man who can move in any way, shape, or form at that size. So the fact that he can move the way he does, and you, you can coach him and say you can't coach that size and that, that kind of movement. So someone's going to give Gerard Clark a look just because they're going to see him and be like, what, how? All right, let's go. <laughs> I'm with you there, Dan. Do you wanna, So I'm going to just do something real quick. And while I'm doing mm-hmm. it, I feel like you should probably do a couple more players. Oh, I don't oh. know if you know this, but you've got about 10 guys, and I only got like four left to talk about that I report out on. But I will say this. So my teams are better? Arkansas State Red Wolves. My team I got, I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing for them. Yeah. And then I'll just go ahead and say that you've got nothing for Georgia Southern Eagles. Thanks. And again, I've got nothing for the Georgia state Panthers. <laughs> and again, we're not knocking these schools. We're just saying that there's, there's no one who stood out to us. Some of these guys, some of these guys from some of these schools will get looks for uh, training camps. Cause you, you have different rules in the NFL where you can have local guys that get looks again, uh, us being CMU guys, we saw Khalil Pimpleton. If anybody saw hard knocks, five foot six inch 150 60 pound wide receiver who's super fast passion though yeah he wasn't going to get a look from uh from a draft but the lions brought him in to say hey let's see what happens and you'll see some of that with some of these guys there's just nobody that we feel good enough talking about right now that are going to be a part of that and while we're on that i'll just go ahead and skip ahead and say louisiana monroe warhawks i've got nothing dan go ahead and talk about both your guys from james madison dude let's talk about that <laughs> And again, James Madison, a school that uh, we've talked about them a little bit because they had a hot start to the season. They managed to get themselves ranked at one point. And then you and I were both also kind of wondering why in the world you penalize schools for jumping up to the top level and then not being able to compete for a conference championship for however many years. It's weird uh, the way that some of those rules are set up. It's almost like it's a hazing thing for these schools. But Chris Thornton, 5'8", 179 wide receiver. So, you know, 
compact little little you know spark plug if you will uh last season 83 catches this season 59 so he kept the production up going from one uh one level to the other 13 touchdowns last year seven touchdowns this year uh but again over a thousand yards both seasons and so what he's showing is solid production from the slot and teams don't complain about having extra slot wide receivers again he's a smaller guy he's not necessarily going to be you know, a pick that you note anytime soon. He might not even be drafted. He could definitely be an undrafted free agent guy. Uh, but intriguing potential on the back end for a team to pick up and say, go do your slot thing. But another intriguing potential guy, and again, very, very heavy on the potential piece, is Todd Centeo, who is, at least that's how I'm saying his name, who's their quarterback. And again, this is a well-traveled young man who bounced around a little bit here and there uh, and really only got starting production more or less the last two seasons but within that opportunity that he had last year 15 touchdowns 10 picks and so that 10 picks thing definitely stands out as a red flag from last year but this year 25 touchdowns five interceptions so he's showing proper progression progression going forward ran for almost 400 yards uh and threw for 2600 so again not somebody that's going to get an early look might get a peek a little later on, but he threw down a 90 for his pro football focus this year. So teams are going to look at the analytics I would and say, okay, he's not big at six foot two twenty two, but might get a shot. I would hope he would throw up a 90. I mean, he's probably 90 years old playing for his <laughs> sixth or seventh year, third team, third conference. I mean, the guy's been around. I mean, it just means that he uh, is ready for the journeyman life of a backup quarterback. Because again, yeah, I guess so. Colorado State, James Madison and only the last two years were years where he actually had a chance to start. And so uh, he made the most of his, his effort this year, had a really good season, but at the same time, you know, still a lot of question marks. You going to keep going on some of your guys or you want me to hop in here? You can do one. Give me a second here. I'll, I'll sprinkle one and I'm going to talk about, <laughs> and this is going to be an interesting conversation. I feel like here, <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, but I got his name highlighted in red. Yeah. I, I our, was our, little, about that. our little sheet here. So Zach Koontz, so Zach Koontz is a guy who was recruited to Penn State, mm-hmm. and he definitely seems like a Penn State kind of guy. They love their big tight ends, but man, this one is supersized. <laughs> He's six foot eight, two forty five, two forty five. So that is a large, large fella. But he didn't do literally nothing for the first three years. Fit <laughs> five year guy. First three years, well, I should just say the first two years, he didn't do much at Penn State. And then the COVID year, he sat out. Sure. So he hit the transfer portal and went to Old Dominion here. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing, though, Dan. That first year at Old Dominion, 13 games, 73 receptions for just shy of 700 yards That's and five touchdowns. That, that is fantastic season for a tight end in mm-hmm. college football. Fantastic. And then he got off to a pretty solid-ish start here in 2022. He, in, the, in just short of the halfway mark of the season, he had, he only had 12 catches for 144 yards and two mm-hmm. touchdowns. But he had an apparent knee injury. Oops. I know it was a knee injury, and I remember hearing about it around the halfway mark. Yeah. But I would have to go back. I they did. It took a long time. If they did disclose what the knee injury was exactly, I certainly did not hear it. So. I apologize. I need to go back and do some research on that. Yeah. Don't know how, how bad it is, but here's what I'm telling you. The guy who caught 73 balls for 700 yards and five touchdowns at six foot eight, 245 tight end is going to get a look. <laughs> yeah, he should be playing power forward. Especially when he's a guy who's probably a solid recruit going into Penn State before it hit sure. the portal. So, yeah. And again, yeah. if you just say, hey, go catch the ball we're going to throw above everybody's head, and then hey, you never know. Yeah. 
you can get you can carve out a little bit of a, of a career being the tall guy that can high point a ball in the end zone so i'm going to jump over to louisiana though the raging cajuns used to be louisiana lafayette for those of you who are wondering why it's called louisiana now but that's what they they go by just the state name and uh i'm going to rip through some players but michael jefferson the first one i want to talk about senior six foot four inch 205 pound wide receiver so that's the reason why we're talking about him he's a big boy at six four He's got the height. Again, talking about some people about high point balls. He didn't have a ton of production most of his years. He was at, uh, I believe, at uh, Alabama State before he went to Lafayette the last couple seasons. So one year stands out where he had 49 catches, 12 touchdowns, again, at that uh, FCS level. But this year, 51 catches, 810 yards, seven touchdowns. So not amazing production for a team that was coming off of losing their, their coach and uh, kind of dropped back a bit this year. But he's 6'4", 205. Someone's going to give him a shot purely based off the fact that he is not a small individual at the wide receiver spot. We're just talking about a guy who's 5'8". So definitely somebody worth keeping your eye on. On the defensive side of the ball, Eric Garor at uh, corner is somebody that uh, kind of caught our eyes. Somebody who uh, didn't have a ton of tackles, but six pass defense this year, two interceptions. So at five nine one seventy eight though, is just sort of a weird fit. So not going to get drafted probably, but... Could be an intriguing piece that someone adds on and it just has that sort of like, I'm going to, you know, bite your kneecap sort of thing. So I don't know, maybe he ends up in Detroit, right? Uh, and then two different safeties that I want to talk about real quick uh, Cam Pettisclow and Braylon Trahan. And I, I couldn't wait Trahan. to hear you say Cam's name. I have no idea how to say that. Pettisclow, a little Frenchy in there, a little, little bit of that Cajun. Yeah. A little bit of that Cajun attitude. He's another small guy, 5'8, 196. So very stocky dude. Uh, 72 tackles this year. So again, potential because of the fact that he found a way to get to the ball and, and laid the hammer at his size. Certainly curious to see if something can happen for him. And then Braylon Trahan, same kind of thing. He's a six foot, 200 pound safety who uh, put up 78 tackles and four interceptions. And so again, they've got some intriguing names in the back end that I'll be kind of like sort of curious to see how things pan out for him. But again, Probably, probably a whole bunch of undrafted free agents from Louisiana. Maybe Jefferson gets a, a draft purely because he's 6'4". You want me to hop in here and give you a, a little bit of oxygen Appreciate time, it. Dan? <laughs> All right. I'll jump in. I'm going to talk about uh, Cordell Rogers, Texas State Bobcats here, man. Okay. Cor- Cordell Rogers, cornerback, okay? He played for about 17 years in college as well. <laughs> uh, six. I had to count on there. He played six years in college. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, you know, he got seven interceptions over the course, but you know, I just want to focus on that. He had four of those seven in the most recent year. So similar to a couple guys we talked about today, the, the most recent year of productions, the reason he's going to potentially get a look Okay, four picks is respectable. And, uh, you know, in, in one year beyond that though, the past three years or, you know, if you, as a whole, he's averaging about 30, 30 tackles mm-hmm. and a pick or two. So. Solid, but here's the thing. 5'11", respectable size, not your ideal mold, but respectable mm-hmm. size, but he's allegedly only around 160 pounds, Dan. Okie dokie. This guy's going to have to put on some LBs, some cheeseburgers, something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be a, a hard-fought road for him, but I think he will get a potential look as an undrafted guy, but maybe it's a Khalil Pimpleton guy who comes in, shows <laughs> a lot of heart and passion, but just doesn't make it. Sure. We'll see. Funny you say that. I have an undersized guy to talk about as well. Stephen Gilmore, corner from Marshall, 170 pounds, but he's six foot tall. So that's um, that's a. And the report I have has him listed as six two, one sixty nine. Well, there you go. Regardless, why we keep saying allegedly, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, look, until we get to the combine and the pro days, we really don't have a complete idea of height and weight with these guys, whatever they put on the, on the list. Because I always like to point out to people they had Antonio Brown listed at 5'11", and I'm probably 5'9", and I was looking over his, his head a tiny bit, so that dude is not 5'11". Right. But uh, Stephen Gilmore, six foot, 170 or six two, one sixty nine. Point is, he's tall and he's lanky and he had a really good season this year. Eighty eight from pro football focus. Didn't initially have a ton of counting stats, had three picks each of the last two years. Return one of those for a touchdown this year. But ten, 10 pass defense this year. Again, just a player who's been in college for five years, has put up decent numbers every year. And so someone's going to give him a shot purely just based off of that. A couple other players from Marshall on the offensive side of the ball that I want to note real quick. Uh, Cedric Palliant, who is a interior offensive lineman and not somebody that uh, I, I know where he's going to end up. He could be literally anywhere because, again, I, I don't know what to think about him. I just know I hear some people throwing his name out there. He didn't necessarily have a great year, but he had good pass blocking numbers. And at 6'4", 325, is the size you want out of a guard. And so it could be a very curious thing to see if he gets drafted on the back end, if somebody gives him a shot. But uh, but definitely somebody that I've, I'm, again, you, you don't really have the notes that you can say on a guard on, on how many you know blocks they made, how, but again. Yes, it's a lot tougher. Right. Very solid pass blocking numbers. His run blocking numbers were decent. Uh, and again, so curious to see what happens with him. But a guy that should get a look from somebody is Kalen Laybourne. And this is a 5'11", 212 pounds. So, you know, compact again, running back. And again, we talk about running backs ad nauseum. There's a ton of them out there. Uh, he is a senior. He only has two years of production, but that this year, 300 carries for 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns. Plus he had 16 catches. And this is a guy who people are going to look at that and just be like, okay, sure. We'll, we'll give him a look just based off of that. If nothing else. And again, an ADM pro football focus. So this is a dude who put up numbers, at least in this season. And again, unlike other players where you're like, well, they only had one year of production as a running back. You're like, Oh, cool. He only has one year of production, which means he hasn't been running to the ground yet. So definitely curious to see if somebody gives Laybourne a shot. Did you, did you get all the thundering herd done there? You want me to give you some more oxygen? I'm through my herd. I'm through my herd. All right. I'm going to talk about Richard. You Richard. I think that's his, how you say his last name, sure. Tribunor. Tribunor? <laughs> I don't know if the J is silent yeah. or not. So it, either way, RJ here, he, he's got a <laughs> similar story as a couple guys. I mean, a lot of people, if you just think about it as a whole, you see a lot of these guys who are recruited to bigger programs, whether they're a high recruit or not. Either way, they're recruited to a very respectable program for whatever right. reason. It doesn't work out for them, and they hit that transfer portal. Okay, so in 2018 – RJ went to, he was committed and played at Auburn. Didn't touch the field a whole lot. Sat out all of 2019. But uh, 2020, 2021, 2022, he played at Troy. Okay. Sure. So he did a little bit in the first couple of years there, but I just want to focus on just this past year. So he had, so he's 6'3, 232, allegedly. He, he definitely plays that edge rusher type role. So he only had 42 tackles, but he had 11 and a half tackles for a loss and eight sacks with an interception. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nothing crazy, but he's he's gonna get a look. All righty then. Yeah. One more player for me to talk. You ready, about. you ready to roll, or you want me to do all the, all the the Troy Trojans? I got my last one to talk about. Then you can do whatever you want, and that's Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles, and uh, I'm gonna say a little piece about a guy named Dominic Quiwan. And again, no, he's, idea. 
when you go off the last year, I won't steal your thunder, but he's very intriguing to me just on the one year. Well, right. And that's why we're talking about him because you, you never know, is this a flash in the pan? Is this something that is, is replicatable for a player? And that's why we talk about him because again, this is a dude who's six, three, two fifty four, And so, you know, again, about the size of the outside linebacker edge rusher kind of player, but he hasn't done hardly anything in his college career. He had seven tackles last year. He had 14 tackles in the COVID year. Uh, he only had 21 this year, but he had 10 sacks. And Didn't they have him playing on the D line though? Yeah. And a forced fumble. But that's the point. It's like, so this is a guy who, again, much like we talked about James Houston, that sort of thing could literally just be a go hit the man, you know, kind of player to start off yeah. his career in the NFL. If you can get 10 sacks at any level, in the in college football, you're going to get a look, and so he will get a late a late look, or maybe an undrafted free agent kind of thing coming out of there. I got to imagine someone's going to give him a shot. Yeah, I like you say that last year is going to get him some type of a look. But all right, I'll talk about my last Troy Trojan here, uh, Carlton Marshall. Um, I'm going to talk about a short but rather stocky <laughs> <laughs> linebacker here. He's only five nine two ten. I mean, two tens light for a linebacker, but when you're only five nine, that's a little comp- that's a little bowling yeah. ball linebacker mm-hmm. there. But uh, usually, I would just brush past that and like, that's not going to work out in today's NFL. Come on, right. five nine, two ten at linebacker. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see how how athletic he is. Maybe there's some strong safety type role or situational guy or position he could play. And and here's the reason I bring him up, Dan. He's a five year guy, but what would I what would you say if I told you in his last four years of those five, he basically had like five hundred tackles? I mean, that's good. Yeah. If you start in twenty nineteen, <laughs> going to most recent, one twenty seven, one fourteen, one twenty six, one thirty five, all while having tackles for loss starting in twenty nineteen, eighteen and a half, ten, ten, and then a dip to three and a half. And well, yeah, and against yeah, and he had ten and a half sacks. Ten and a half sacks in his career there. So yeah, he stuffed the stat sheet. Sure. You know, if, if he were two inches taller and even ten <laughs> pounds heavier, mm-hmm. this is crazy. I mean, he had eight forced fumbles there too. Sure. Nine pass deflections. Right. Six interceptions. <laughs> stuffed the stat sheet. It, it's incredible. Right. Absolutely incredible. It is interesting how we we make those. Uh those distinctions based off always a little bit this a little bit that but that's that's what nfl teams do they get that level of picky when it comes to to players that's the last guy i have from sunbelt i don't know if you got anybody else we're gonna wrap up things for our college football talk and that moves us over to our halftime and our beer and you know we were bouncing around trying to come up with a beer topic because we've been doing all these city things and obviously we're we're wrapping that up with both the nfl and the college season but then you found the uh, the multi-hearted pack that uh, that Bells had, and then you found another pack to talk about. And it got us thinking: we need to talk about variety packs. Why don't you start with the one that you found, a new one? Ah, uh, well, I'm going to go back and talk about the hearted variety pack real quick. I know I already talked about all the beers in there, mm-hmm. but um, I also mentioned that I had COVID during that time, and I didn't know if my taste buds <laughs> were a little bit off. But I am back to a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a second go and had each one one more time. There you go. And I'll say this, the official order of those beers stayed exactly the same. The experimental came in at the bottom. The big hearted, which was the one I was excited for, was still third place. Mm-hmm. Second place was still the hazy and first place is still the OG two hearted. But I will say this, <laughs> now the taste buds are on point. The two hearted and the hazy 
two hearted. Mm-hmm. We're a heck of a lot closer than what I had originally anticipated. And I'll also say this to put it in perspective. If I plan on having more than a couple, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent going to have the, the, the OG two hearted. Okay. But if I were only going to have like one pint of just, just a beer and chill and relax, have one and done mm-hmm. that hazy too hard. is fantastic. I just don't know that hazies are something that I'm going to have several of. It's not, Okay. My favorite, but dude, it was really, really good. So just it was a little tighter than what I originally thought. I highly recommend that hazy too hard. Um, but yeah, the 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 variety pack that I was gonna talk about today primarily. So another Michigan brewery, my favorite brewery, Shorts, they released a six pack variety pack. So that's a little nice. different than most twelve pack variety packs, but they have Huma is where the heart is. Now everybody who's listening to this knows <laughs> Huma's my favorite beer. Mm-hmm. So clearly Huma is in here. It's one of the three because it's mm-hmm. only three styles of beer because it's six pack. So Huma's in there. We are, I'm not going to do a take on that. <laughs> I will say that I've had the humongous Huma, which is the triple Huma, which is Jeez. triple the hops and triple the the, the yeah triple the malt in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it before. I absolutely loved it. Nice. Absolutely love this beer. So I've had two of these three clearly. Uh, but I would buy it again just so that I could try the humongous Huma again. It was available <laughs> in the uh, Happy Holidays variety pack. That's where mm-hmm. I had it around Christmas time. So I'm super excited to see that back out again. But it seems like they're doing a similar route of what Bells did with that hearted variety pack. They mm-hmm. have a hazy Huma. I would nice. love to be able to review this one, but I have yet to find this variety six pack yet. But you can bet once I do, we're talking about that one, Dan. I'm stoked (laughs) to give that one a go. Sure. And that got us thinking, you know, different variety packs. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't found one yet that I'm going to grab. But now that you you keep mentioning these, I will obviously be, you know, keeping my eyes open for different ones that have got it. And again, this is your opportunity because one of the challenges is unless you can find those single cans out there, you don't necessarily want to have a six pack of one beer without knowing about it. So variety packs give you an opportunity to try out a few different styles from certain places because some places are really good at one variety or another and uh, and one of the fun things is you can look around online and see all kinds of beer that you probably never get a chance to try because you can't get it you know in your town or whatever but uh, looking at stuff like drizzly uh those different sites that they don't ship necessarily to michigan yet which is a bit of a bummer but it gives you a chance to see what else is out there and there's so many different organizations so many different uh uh brewery collectives like canarchy that has uh that has parent here in michigan but then also oscar blues and they have uh, Cigar City and stuff like that. So you see those packs that get grouped together there too. Uh, one that I'd love to try just because it's a brewery that we've heard about that we haven't really gotten to do much of yet is Clown Shoes has a 12 beers of Christmas pack, which sounds like fun to try. I'd be down for that one. Uh, and then Oscar Blues does have uh, a couple different variety packs that obviously I'd want to tackle after how much we we both seem to like uh, the 1050. And so that's really the recommendation of what we're giving you right now as we get into the end of the football season is Go find yourself a variety pack and go to town. I mean, Cigar City has a variety pack that uh, we've tried most of the beers in there, uh, but there's a High Lie and Florida Man. And then I think the uh, the Florida Man, uh, one of the variations of Florida Man. Uh, and then it's also got a uh, uh, different one Is with Maduro Brown in there. No, they got Frost. I've had that one. Okay. Now, Florida Man Down Under. So yeah, Florida Man Down Under is their, uh, their kind of fruit forward Florida man double IPA, which makes me think it's like a hazy double somewhere in that ballpark. 
Uh, and then Frostproof is a Belgian-style white ale because everybody needs to have a Belgian-style white ale to be considered a brewery, it seems like. So, so yeah, that's the recommendation, though. Anybody else you want to talk about from a beer standpoint? No, I'm good to go, man. All right, so again, get yourself a variety pack. Have some fun with it. We had a little bit of fun with the NFL because there were still some games to talk about, and we won't go into all of these ad nauseum. If you didn't know who won games, go to places you talk about that kind of thing. But we did have some fun storylines coming out of some of these games. Uh, Jacksonville, Kansas City, you said it was going to be closer than people expected, and it was. Yes, it absolutely was. And I just, you know, I just want to go out and say this, man. Jacksonville is not that far away. No. And, uh, you know, I don't want to just sit and recap the, the playoffs. That some of it we will, but I'll just for this game, I just want to focus on this. I think it. I think I need to shift my my priority for as far as okay. draft need. Like, am I crazy for thinking? And this is all I want to talk about with Jacksonville because everybody mm-hmm. watched the games, the playoffs. Everybody's watching right. these games. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy for thinking that? maybe Trevor Lawrence doesn't really need it's not necessary you can get someone along the way but in the first round you don't need to go chase a wide receiver agreed I think you're right I think they they do need somebody else to add to the rotation uh Zay Jones is a little too inconsistent sometimes with the with the dropsies I don't think Christian Kirk is a number one guy but with the way that they've unlocked Evan Ingram over the second half of the season and you got Etienne coming out he's got a lot of you know Two and two, two a three, you know, spot receivers. So, yeah, you can make a case for a number one guy, but you don't necessarily need to go with a number one guy. And here's kind of what I'm thinking: like Evan Ingram, mismatch a tight end, love sure. it. You can shift them around, you have all kinds of fun. Mm-hmm. Christian Kirk, I, I, sorry, I view him more as a downfield type guy. Sure. So all I think they really need to do is get a sure-handed slot slash middle of the field type guy right he's an excellent route runner with great hands that's all they really need in this they need the safety net mm-hmm. which they could use et on that way but i don't think they want to well and they want but zay jones if they get that, it but he's not there yeah he's not that yeah yeah so that, that's all i'm saying is like i'm kind of thinking because the whole season i've been saying they got to get a weapon they got to get a weapon mm-hmm. now i'm thinking hey just get the best player on the board because this team is really close maybe maybe an offensive tackle if one makes it that far i don't think sure. they will but uh, maybe go that route. But you could get a sure-handed wide receiver to help him out, you know, on day two. Yeah, and Jacksonville looks like they're on the rise in comparison with the rest of the division. We know Houston's not going to do anything. Indianapolis is some sort of mess of a dumpster fire, and Tennessee has a lot of questions too. So this division is theirs for the taking next year. And again, on the other side of the ball, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, everyone's going to talk about him having his uh, coming back. From the and Travis country. Kelsey going full Zeus mode. Right, exactly. I mean, Kelsey, 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. And look, when you when your, your leader goes down, you go to your next guy up, and that's Travis Kelsey's always been a solid option for them. Chad Henney even did, did all right in relief uh, coming in for the little bit when Mahomes is out. But the other guy that I want to mention real quickly, Isaiah Pacheco, 95 yards. They've found themselves a running back, at least going forward for Kansas City. Uh, so that's something that they don't have to worry as much about going through there. You want to talk about your big blue that laid a big blue turd on the field in Philadelphia? First of all, they're way more your big blue than my big blue. Stop. I just got to talk about them because I got stuck Stop. with them. But hey, we we both knew they were the worst team in the playoffs still. It was just going to be a hilarious storyline if they managed to somehow knock off the Eagles. We you knew the that. percentages of that was as close to zero as possible. But hey, You wanted that to happen. I did. In a way, you know, I really <laughs> did. Just at your expense, I yep. really, really did. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing I really 
we don't got to talk about it right now. I just no. want to make a note of it. I mean, there's not – we knew they were the worst team in the playoffs. Sure. They were outmatched. You know, they they had a – they overachieved on this season while the mm-hmm. team better than most people ever them, gave them credit for. I still will obviously admit that I think they overachieved. Right. But, man, we, they, we, we slash they slash the world all needs to really figure out like what what happens with Daniel Jones? Or, what happens with Saquon Barkley? He shows he shows Saquon. They're gonna probably resign Saquon. Saquon wants to be there. As soon as the game is sure. over, he's, he wants to stay there. Mm-hmm. I think they'll they'll honor that and let that happen. But mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is a guy. Like one minute you're like, is there something there? I think there's something there. Oh no, nope, never mind. It faded away. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, there's something there. Right. I'm telling you, there could be something there. I don't think there's anything there. Me personally, I wasn't a fan when they drafted him. Still not a fan, but I will admit that he's had moments where you're like, hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's so like, I, that's yeah. I just want to make a point. That's something we got to figure out because, I mean, if he's not the guy, then right. then you're you're basically rebuilding because you've got no wide outside of Saquon <laughs> offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a couple pieces on the O-line, maybe. Sure. And then Saquon, a young tight end and Bellinger. But mm-hmm. all I'm getting at is if Daniel Jones isn't the guy, then that offense needs to be like an overall. Sure. Defensively, yeah. they got some pieces. Well, and again, he's never been terrible. Even in his rookie year, he wasn't great, but he wasn't awful. So he's always been in – it could be something that just hasn't quite panned out. This is his best year from completion percentage, his best year from yardage. Uh, didn't necessarily have the touchdowns, but that's not always a big deal. I mean, he ran for 700 yards this year too, so he has he's sneaky athletic. He has potential. He he is a guy that can contribute on a team like uh, Brad Holmes was talking about. You can get a lot worse at quarterback, a whole lot easier. You can get better. And so, really, what it comes down to is how much money he wants and where he wants to be. If he feels like New York is valuing him, he'll hang around. Uh, but you know, part of the reason why he's in the situation he is is because they're not at the level that the Philadelphia Eagles are. Even Jalen Hurts with his hurt throwing shoulder and the flu. Uh, he again, he came out and had a decent game. They ran the ball a lot in this one to to kind of take the burden off of him. But if they can get through uh, San Francisco, he's got an extra week to heal up for the Super Bowl. So Philadelphia looking very dominant, going to have themselves an awesome game going up against San Francisco 49ers who held off Dallas to finish off the uh, the weekend. We'll go back to Cincinnati in a second, but go ahead. What are we doing? We're going to Cincy? I'm segueing, man. I just gave you a great setup oh. to talk about San Francisco. Oh, man, I had Cincy up. But all right, let's talk about San Fran. I was ready to roll. I was locked and loaded. <laughs> San Fran, man, what this was This was an ugly game, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I mm-hmm. I was a little mad because I lost some money on my DraftKings bet because it uh-huh. was not offense, offensively as productive as I thought it was going to be. So, But I will say this, man. Dude, this system's just set up for Brock Purdy just to, like, it, just not to fail. Is Am I crazy for thinking that? Like, no, What's he's that? not, but he makes good choices with the ball. I mean, that's the big thing. Oh, yeah. He's given he does, up. But man, to he's succeed. got so much to work with. Right. Yeah. Like they, the way they set him up and the fact he's got a Debo, he's got a CMC. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I just, that, Brock, that, that's what I want to talk about. Brock Purdy's the guy, right? He gets out trying to figure out the future rather than cover the playoffs. Brock Purdy's the guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brock well, a free agent. They're, they're not, you can't go back yeah. to Lance. Well, and I'm, can... right now, the biggest question is, is if Garoppolo comes back healthy, are they going to do that? I don't think no. they can. No. Well, Garoppolo, I think, is a free agent anyway. So Garoppolo's done in San Francisco. There's right, but I'm just saying for this season. Oh, no, right he now back, he, they're going to keep rolling. Like, the only way you pull Brock Purdy is if all of a sudden he turns into a pumpkin halfway through the game against Philadelphia and you need a spark. But, no, you're not going to give Garoppolo the ball 
going into the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen if they win the next game. So, no, Brock Purdy is their guy this year. The real question is where things are at with Lance development-wise, et cetera. I think really where they're at right now, the good news for Sam. Let him go. Well, I understand that, but you want to make sure you recoup something out of him. So you want to make sure you hype Trey Lance as being something awesome. And then he comes out and shows up awesome in a couple of preseason games because Trey Lance is playing for his future too. He was going to be the guy in San Francisco. He got hurt. Oh, all he, of a sudden Brock Purdy happened. I think, I think Lance gets moved in the off season or on draft day or something like that. Last thing pick. I'll say just real quick. I know I said, I want to talk about the futures and not really recap and my mm-hmm. recap of stats, but I just want to give a shout out, man. Fred Warner looked fantastic yep. in this game. From yep. what I saw in this game, he's like, he's, he's one of the best, if not the best linebackers in the NFL. Sure. That game was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, going to strike fear in the hearts of uh, Philadelphia fans. There's no doubt. And again, we'll, we'll talk more about offseason uh, quarterback shuffling once we get to the offseason, but that's an intriguing. Oh, I got covered the Cowboys too. Do you want, you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, I, do. I forgot. Hey, Mar got a couple of field goals. Good for him getting a few field goals after missing that yeah. point. Yeah, I'll give him that. Um, it seems how we're talking about futures here. This is the one thing I want to focus on here. I mean, sad mm-hmm. times for the Cowboys. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm not going to recap the game. I keep saying that, but Dak ah. Prescott, this is what I thought I was going to see when they played Tampa. Mm-hmm. This was the Dak I was expecting to see, the Dak that turns right. the ball over and this and that, which is yeah, why I bet on Tampa that. to win. He just <laughs> I was just a week off on it. Yep. But go. my goodness, for San Francisco's sake, it was a good time it showed up because they weren't doing a whole lot either. But long story <laughs> short, the main thing I want to talk about here is wow, da- there were rumors Dallas was gonna tag Pollard. We knew Pollard was a guy they should probably bring back, mm-hmm. and then he gets hurt. And what happens there? And Zeke, Zeke, is Zeke a free agent or no? Um, I don't, I think, no, he still has part of his, you know, Albatross contract. Does he? Yeah. Okay. But either way, that's going to be a tough decision. We're going to have a lot of fun figuring out uh, right. Pollard, whether, because if they tag him, that's a lot of money for a complimentary back who potentially just got, I don't know how serious the injury is. Just yeah, that. again, broke his leg. Not sure exactly what the story is with him. I mean, hypothetically. Yeah. Speaking, like, I don't know what the, yeah. I don't know how bad the break was, what the right. timetable is, like. The good news know. for Zeke is they could get out of it this year with $11 million in a dead cap, but that's a heck of a hit to take, and they probably won't try to get rid of him because they need him now that they're not sure what they're getting out of Pollard. I guess the question I was planning on asking is, are they a candidate to grab a running back? You and I have drafted running backs high, running. but at the end of the first round, if they drafted, drafted oh. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs or something? I mean, Robinson has some appeal because he's a local guy, but I, oof, I don't know if they're going to do that. Because again, there's so many. I mean, if they don't expect Pollard to come back healthy, like he might not even be able to start the season on time, even if they did bring him back. And Zeke hasn't looked good. I've been saying that for two years. Zeke is past his his prime, if you will, in my opinion. Uh, just because again, I think they they ran him into the ground, and and as a running back, you always think you can keep going, but you know the body breaks down. This is what it is. You take that many hits. I'm just thinking, like I I move on. Could be, but uh, I think they've got some other things they need to work on as well on that team. So. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that more when we get closer to draft day and we see where teams are, are plotting out. But one more game to talk about, and uh, your boys beat my boys. Little who day, Cincinnati and Buffalo. They did, and they I think get, I got. We got, finally. Yeah, and I think I got three of the final four teams. You do, but that's okay. I got the best. Stick that in your skillet and let it sizzle. You yeah. think you do. Eagles go with yeah. who the the Bengals are probably Dave. the best team left in this at this point. I'm just saying that they got to be they. I project them to win this thing, man. Joe Burrow looks smooth. The connection he has mm-hmm. with Jamar is great. 
that they Which showed up back in to the life. snow. The conditions, this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about the future. The conditions for this game were so tailored <laughs> towards Buffalo. Sure. It's it A, it's in Buffalo. Right. B, it's super oh, snowy. Mm-hmm. C, the the Bengals were down 3-0 linemen from right. Jonah to Kappa to Collins, all out. Three yep. starters out. And then the center goes down in it. Mm-hmm. Like very early in the game. So you're telling me for the majority of this game you had the rookie Volston at left guard and that was it? Yep. What? When I've been dogging <laughs> the O line the whole mm-hmm. year. Maybe that's the problem. The Burrow only got Burrow only got sacked one time in this game. Now I know the conditions probably weren't tailored for you know sacks and right. Crazy trenches. But, but just my goodness, the game this couldn't have been better set up for a Buffalo domination. And it didn't happen. They couldn't move. So them I just mad props to all these backup alignment for the mm-hmm. Bengals. Yeah. Between Job the well alignment for the Bengals and the defense for the Bengals, just locking things down because again, they only allowed 63 yards rushing and Josh Allen could never really get going. And so that combination, I mean, that's, that's amazing to see how Cincinnati kind of just controlled this football game. This was not a, a this is a game we thought was going to be a close one. That was going to be back and forth, et cetera. And and Cincinnati controlled the game. Good for the Bengals. Good for them. And now they get a chance to go into Kansas City and play a hobbled Pat Mahomes. Cincinnati's got a good chance of me going back to the Super Bowl again. Last question before we wrap this up for the day. Yeah, I got Cincinnati and San Fran in the Super Bowl. Who you got? Of course you do. You want to see them play for a third time? A little rubber yeah. match action. Uh, I've still got the uh, the Eagles because I've been kind of riding them the whole season. Obviously, I had them playing buffalo so i gotta take the team that just beat buffalo and so it's gonna be cincinnati and philadelphia and we'll preview those games obviously coming up with our next show but uh but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch these uh these title games there's a whole lot of different storylines of injured quarterbacks and untested quarterbacks and who's playing in the offensive line for cincinnati there's a whole lot of storylines we're gonna get into next time anything you want to wrap up with here jp i don't think so i'm good i gotta find that six pack that's All my right, main well, mission. You I got to find that. that. Everybody got to find that. Who was where the heart is. <laughs> there you go. Everybody else out there, find yourself some variety packs and uh, get your notes ready, JP. We are about to get into the big boy conferences next time on Draft Draft. Draft.